try another swing today. I love the plate. We love it. Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf. Episode 135. Hello everyone, Tom Purcell here, like we say it every time, if you're a first-timer or a long-timer, either way, we're glad you're with us. And you hear that music in the background, and that means we're going to have some fun today. If, if you've listened to the past, and you back in the 80s, 90s, you know it, yep, that's right, Jake Trout and the Flounders. You know, they brought so much fun, enjoyment to golf fans everywhere, tournaments, their homes, they got other tour players jumping in on almost like groupies, it was, it was really fun. If you haven't heard this before, let me let you hear this clip of what Mr. Arnold Palmer said about them. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. Well, you know when you hear that, we're going to have fun. One of their songs was Love the One You With. The man that is with me today is a seven-time winner on tour, several more on the Champions Tour the face and spokesman for Strixon Golf, who he's brought to us today, courtesy of. Yep, he's Jake Trout. Who else but Mr. Peter Jake has been joining us from San Francisco at the U.S. Open. Peter, thanks so much, man. It's great to have you with us. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. This is a fascinating subject, Jake Trout and the Flounders. How in the world does this whole thing get started? Well, it's funny you say that. Here I am standing on the grounds at the Olympic Club here in San Francisco for the U.S. Open, and Every time I think of the Olympic Club, I think of my buddy Payne Stewart when he hit that putt on 18 and it went all the way past the hole, all the way to the front of the green. And uh, But that's how Jake Crown the Flounders got started. Payne Stewart, Mark Wilde, and Larry Rinker and I were all playing the tour at the time, and we all loved music. Some guys fish, some guys hunt, but Larry and Payne and Mark and I loved music, and we all played instruments. And so we uh, we actually were asked to put together a little band for the for the players' dinner at the Players' Championship back in about 89 by then-Commissioner Dean Beeman. So we put together a little makeshift band, and we did three or four songs at the Players' Dinner, and that's really how it started. And these were just regular songs. These weren't the songs you cooked up. This was just your first gig, right? Yeah, this is our first gig. We just wrote, we, we didn't write anything. We just played some, some covers, some stuff that we knew. Um, I played guitar, and nobody wanted to sing, so I was the one singing. I got stuck as the singer. Uh, Payne played harmonica and sang back up. Mark Lye played guitar, sang back up, and Larry Brinker also played guitar. And uh, we had to get a couple of session guys in there to play drums and keyboards, but it turned out to be so much fun, we decided to keep doing it. Yeah, Mark was the uh, lefty guitar player, right? Mark, Mark Lye is a left-handed guitar player. And a really good guitar player, much like Larry Rinker. Very good guitar player. Wow. Larry Rinker kind of gets lost in the shuffle because you had the three of you guys on the album cover. We had, back on our Centennial episode, we had Alice Cooper on with us and with Edwin Watts. And Edwin himself is retired from the business. He has his own little band now. And we started talking about golfers and, and, and bands. And Jake Trout and the Flounders came up. And I don't know if you heard this, but let me play you what Alice said about, uh, about Payne Stewart. Payne, you know, and, and I always used to say that Payne Stewart was the nicest guy, probably at the best swing of anybody out there, and was the worst harmonica player of all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not talking evil of the dead. I, I used to tell him, I said, you are such a great, you know, golfer, and you are such a nice guy. I said, but <laughs> pick another instrument. <laughs> 
may disagree with that. Attackers of the flag. That was him on the solo, wasn't it? He was fantastic. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting whenever you delve into the realm of another profession like we've done with with music. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I, I guys like uh, Alice Cooper and and all these other guys. Uh, I don't think they they're they're threatened, but. Uh, yeah, that was Payne Stewart playing harmonica lead on uh, Attackers of the Flag and, and the other album that we, we've got. We've got two albums. They're both on iTunes. Anybody wants to, to download them, they certainly can. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not doctored up. It's so we were in the studio like professional musicians recording all this stuff. Somewhere along the line, you came across the idea of taking some older songs and turning them into golf songs. You had to write, obviously, change the lyrics up, like we said, love the one you with and hitting on the back of the range, and how did that come about? Well, what I decided to do is, uh, when we did our second record, I had met so many people in the game of golf that were uh, uh, that were that were the great musicians. They loved to play golf. Guys like Stephen Stills and Huey Lewis and Alice Cooper and Darius Rucker, Glenn Fry, Grand Nash, people like that. And I said, look, do you mind if I took your your music and I rewrote the lyrics to be golf lyrics? And they said they had no problem with it. And then I asked them to sing on the record with me and play on the record with us, and they did. So when you hear the songs, not only is it Mark and Pete and Peter playing, by then Larry Rinker had left the band, and our second album, Larry, had left the band. But it's not only is it us three, but it's also those players, those musicians I mentioned earlier, and uh, these guys are Hall of Famers. So it was just a fun collaboration. You never would have thought that back in 89 at the Players' Championship, four of you guys getting together, playing about four songs, grabbing a drummer and a bass player or something. And then you've got Stephen Stills and Graham Nash and Glenn Fry from the Eagles and Alice Cooper, I mean, recording with you. What was that like? Well, it was a lot of fun. In fact, I'll never forget when we, we went to L.A. to record two days in a row. Payne and Mark and I went to L.A., and it, we had to pinch ourselves because we're in this recording studio in Los Angeles, and we're in the middle of recording five or six songs and in the green room. In other words, milling around in the recording studio and back in the green room were all those guys I just mentioned. I've got Graham Nash on the soundboard, and he's working Stephen Stills and I singing the backup for Love the One You With. I'd already sung, sung the, the lead. And we were all singing the backup. If you know the song, you know what I'm talking about. And and then in walks Kevin Cronin from Ario Speedwagon and Darius Rucker and Hootie and the Blowfish, and they're going to be up next doing a song. But Payne and, I, Payne and Mark and I looked at each other, and we just giggled like little kids. Because here we are, professional golfers, doing something that all professional uh, athletes would love to do, recording with great musicians. But we also knew, knew conversely, that... All of these professional musicians love to go tee it up on the golf course in a pro-am with us and would, would give their, you know, their most favorite guitar to play in the U.S. Open. So I guess it was a, kind of a give and take. Yeah, almost like a, a role reversal would be like them sitting on the range with you guys at a big tournament getting ready for a pro-am playing with some of the great tour players. Yeah, exactly. In fact, um, my buddy Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis and the News is going to be out this afternoon here at the Olympic Club, riding around with me in my cart, looking at the golf course and just checking it out. So, so Huey and I will be out here on the course today, having a little uh, role reversal, so to speak, for him. <laughs> oh, of all the songs you guys did, like you said, you put together two albums. They're both still available on iTunes. Do you have a favorite song of all of all time, or anything that you like the best? 
Yeah, I think the one that I love the best is our title track on the second album. It's called I Love to Play. And the reason is, is it involves so many different aspects. Uh, we wrote the, we wrote the song. It's a, it's a Randy Newman song called I Love LA. And it's a takeoff on that, obviously. But, uh, we did a music video that ran on VH1 for about a year, and I still think you can probably find it on YouTube. But we've got everybody from Jack Lemmon to Huey Lewis to, to Samuel L. Jackson to Chris O'Donnell to President, uh, President Gerald Ford, uh, Leslie Nielsen. They're all in the music video. So anytime I hear that song, I think back to when we recorded the song and also shot the, the, uh, the video, music video. And it just brings a smile to my face. I just, I just think back to how much fun that was. Talk a little bit about uh, Mark. What's Mark doing now? I know he had some challenges, I guess, with cancer a few years ago. Well, Mark is one of my closest friends, and boy, he's a fighter. He's been a diabetic all his life, and he's been uh, he stopped playing about five or six years ago, and he's now doing Golf Channel tele. He's working for Golf Channel on their telecasts in studio and on the golf course. Um, but he's just a great guy, great musician, fun to be around, and. Someone I started playing golf with when we were junior players in California back when we were uh, 14, 15 years old. So I've known Mark a long time. Another one that's really, really hard for me because it just it just seems like he it, he didn't leave us is, is Payne Stewart. I mean, I have a picture of a collage, two-shot collage of him in my den. Your thoughts of Payne? Because later in his career, he really started interacting more with the galleries and really, really became a, a huge fan favorite. And obviously the band helped. Well, one thing about a Payne Stewart is whenever I see pictures of Payne on the golf course, and obviously I played a lot of golf with him, was very, uh, he was very intense and a great champion on the golf course. Every time I think of Payne, though, I think of him off the golf course with his family uh, and uh, up on stage performing with us because it was such a departure from what we do on the golf course day in and day out. Payne Stewart is one of those unique individuals in the, in the, in the world of sport, not just golf, in the world of sport that really that transcended the competition. You knew him on and off the golf course, and he was a unique personality that when someone like that is taken from us at such an early age, you don't replace someone like Payne Stewart. You, uh, you really just have to appreciate the guy that he was, what he, what he meant to the game of golf, and what he meant to the game of sport. He was a, he was a classic dresser. Um, as I said earlier, he was a great family man, and interacted well with people. In fact, everywhere I go now, whether I'm playing a tournament or working for NBC, so many people come up to me and remind me of uh, Payne Stewart. They say, hey, remember Payne, remember your pal Payne. And I say, look, there isn't, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not reminded of Payne Stewart in some form or fashion. He was just a, just a fantastic guy. And I stay, stay pretty close with his wife, Tracy, and his two, kid, his two children, Chelsea and Aaron. Um, who obviously it was so unfair they lost their father so young. But Tracy Stewart is a strong woman, and she's raised two great kids uh, since Payne uh, left us. Yeah, if you want to know about Payne and those those years, and especially the years he spent with Tracy, the first place to go is her book. It's a fantastic book on their lives together and Payne's life. If you want to keep Payne living on with you and hear him, Hey, what a better way than Jake Trout and the Flounders on iTunes. You listen to that harmonica and the, the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Last question about the, Jake and the Flounders there, Peter. Did, did the, the group end because of Payne's passing, or did you guys decide to shut it down before that? No, we, uh, we were still doing some shows until Payne was killed, and we just thought that since Payne, left, since Payne had, had left us, 
we just felt that it wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't be the same thing to do it without him. So we decided that we were going to call it a, a career, so to speak, underlined career <laughs> on stage and uh, just, just leave it that way. Um, we actually did one of the most fun concerts we ever did was a live one-hour performance on the Golf Channel. And this was back in 96 or 97. And I've still got a copy of that. Uh, we were on stage with the legendary bass player Duck Dunn. Oh, yeah, from the Blues Brothers, oh. yeah. Right, yeah, uh, the Booker T and the MGs, and he played on tour with Neil Young and um, uh, Mel and Kent, just a lot of great play, a lot of great musicians and a lot of great artists. So that's really one of my most favorite memories. And But, but that was it. Once Payne was killed, uh, we said, that's it, we're done. Let's shift gears just a little bit before we let you go there, Peter. You're here courtesy of our friends at Cleveland Srixon Golf, and you, you've somehow morphed into the face of Srixon Golf. Those commercials are really cool. Seen a few outtakes. I guess you might be able to get hurt in some of those, too, when they're filming them, right? Yeah, that was fun. I started playing the Tour Yellow Golf Ball last year, and I can't even tell you how much of an impact it's had on my golf. I, I enjoy my golf more because I can actually see the yellow golf ball in flight. I couldn't see the white golf ball. I'm 58 years old now, and I've got failing eyesight. But playing the Tour Yellow has really... I, I just enjoy my golf now, and I would recommend anybody try the yellow golf ball. But we were shooting the, the Tour Yellow ads and the softball ad where uh, a young lady is pitching a softball right by me at about 75 miles an hour, and she was getting a little tired, and she pulled it a little bit, so to speak, and hit me right in the chest. And that outtake turned into a, a, one of the ads for uh, Tour Six on Tour Yellow. And a lot of people ask me about it. They say, was that stage? They say, oh, no, and I had the bruise to prove it. <laughs> well, with the Tour Yellow Ball, when they first presented that to us, our vice president of purchasing, Kerry Cabase, before it came out, he said, you've got a home run here. And it's not. it wasn't just because it was yellow. It was because, one, the technology behind the yellow makes it a little easier to see. But then, of course, that this is a tour ball. I mean, this isn't a, a cheap ball you're putting out there, and it's really taken off. And imitation's the sincerest form of flattery because others have followed suit. Well, I think I think we've seen in the history of the game, we've seen uh, different colored golf balls come and go. We've seen an orange golf ball in the past. We've seen a yellow golf ball. But I think you're right. I don't think the golf ball had the quality that the Strixon Tour Yellow has. In fact, I just played the Regents Tradition last week in Birmingham. I didn't win. I finished uh, in the 24th place. But as I'm playing, and I've been playing the Tour Yellow all year, all the players that I play with, they all comment on, on what a quality golf ball it is. In fact, I played with Tom Lehman, who won the tournament last week. I played with him a couple of weeks earlier, and he was commenting how well he can see it in the air and how, how flashy it is on the putting green. When you're putting a yellow ball, and it, and it contrasts with the green of the, of the putting green, um, it, it's kind of psychedelic, so to speak. So it's, it, it's a lot of fun. It kind of brings back all those children of the 60s thoughts. <laughs> well, Peter, what's on the calendar remainder of the year for you? You Obviously, Peter Jacobson Golf keeps you very busy. You're out there with NBC now. What, what you got going on this year? Well, I've got uh, next week after the U.S. Open, I'll be up at uh, Providence playing in the CBS Caremark Charity Classic. My partner will be Annika Sorenstam. It's a great event in Providence, Rhode Island. Raises money for the Providence community charities up there. And then I'll be playing in the senior players and back to Pebble Beach for the first tee, the Nature Valley first tee, and then the U.S. Senior Open. So i am uh, got a busy summer, but I'm looking forward to playing. 
Well, you're out at the Olympic Club now. This won't air until the week following the U.S. Open, but uh, how about any open predictions that, that uh, you'd like to share with us? Well, I'm a big fan of Lee Westwood. I think he's a player that is uh, he's going to win a major sometime soon. He's too good to not win a major. So I picked him at the Masters, and he almost won, and I'm going to pick him again this week. I think he's ready. Uh, don't, don't, don't ever discount Tiger Woods, as we've seen. Tiger's just got too much talent. Um, I, think, I think Phil Mickelson's going to have a good week. I know that uh, he's been up and down with his game. And, but I, I, think, uh, I think you might see a dark horse or two come in, too. I, I think young Michael Allen, I shouldn't say young, he's, uh, he's 52 now, uh, but he's playing in the U.S. Open this week for the first time in a while, and he, he, he grew up out here at the Olympic Club. So keep your eyes on him now. This will air next week, so we'll know who won. I'm, yeah, we'll know how good, how, what a good prognosticator you are, right? <laughs> yeah, well, either, either good or bad. <laughs> oh, Peter, we want to thank you so much for carving out the time with us. It's, it's been fantastic, some memory lane with Jake Trout and the Flounders. Any final thoughts for our listeners? No, it's just uh, I love the game, and, and I think it's a, that's one of the reasons that we, we, love, we love to play golf and we love to be in the game of golf. And um, I'm proud of, of the new golf boys. They were inspired by Jake Trout and the Flounders. I'm talking about Ben Crane. Bubba Watson, Hunter Mahan, and Ricky Fowler. They did their little Golf Boys video. And I would encourage everybody that hasn't seen it to check that out on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Peter, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Well, how cool was that? Peter Jacobson going down memory lane with Jake Trout, the Flounders, and also sharing some some stories about the uh, outtakes from the Tour Yellow Ball commercial. But also, what a great ball that is. And we want to... Say a special thanks to our folks at Cleveland Srixon Golf for setting that episode up, for Peter Jacobson for joining us, and to you, our listeners. And when we take it out, a little bit of Payne Stewart on the background on that harmonica, Attackers of the Flag. Join us next time. We have another episode of Golf Better at EdwinWattsGolf.com. So long, everyone. Hey, Greg, Jake Trout and the Flounders, pretty good, huh? Well, I don't know, Jake, but I think Trout's a little fish. The great white shark is a big fish of the ocean. Hey, John Daly, we're going to have some big hits with this record. (laughs) That's what you think, but I'm still the big hitter, big boy. Jake and the Flounders is a great group, and uh, I think that they ought to concentrate more in, uh, in putting instead of singing. You only sing after you make birdies. Ha 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 ha. It's a situation where.